This is Sarah Catlin. I'm your host tonight for Women's Issues, Women's Voices. I just didn't catch the automation quick enough. I was getting our guest on the phone. We are going to have such a great conversation tonight. I have got Katie Steele Danner on the phone. Um, She is currently the executive director of the Greater Missouri Leadership Foundation. We're going to talk about that tonight. We're going to talk about her career path and how she ended up in that role and what the foundation does for women um, around the state of Missouri. And we're also just going to talk about women and leadership and careers and things like that in general. So it should be just a really good conversation. Before I get her patched into the soundboard, I just want to quickly say that um, the Progressive Women of Mid-Missouri group is getting together. Um, if you have not come to one of our socials, you are welcome as long as you are female and progressive and live in the, live or work in the Mid-Missouri area. If you'd like more details about our next gathering, which is going to be on March 17th, there are details on our Facebook page. Um, you just search Facebook for Progressive Women of Mid-Missouri, spell it all out. Um, if you aren't a Facebooker, you can also send an email to progressivewomenofmidmissouri at gmail.com and I will eventually see it and answer you back and add you to the list. Um, but March 17th, March, mark your calendars, we'll be mentioning it every week here on Women's Issues until then. So you'll have other reminders. Um, but we are just going to get together, invite some of the local candidates to come talk to us. And uh, used to, we used to do these about twice a year. COVID put, you know, put the stop to that. Um, but we're looking forward to getting together. We're going to meet outside. So it should be a COVID safer approach to our uh, get togethers. All right. Without further ado, let me push the right buttons here. All right, Katie, can you hear me? Oh, great. I hear you, but very quietly. Let's see. What have I done wrong here? Oh, I didn't have the phone hung up. Oh, you're going to have to call back. That's fun. I was warned about that, folks. This is the first time I've ever done that. We've got a janky phone in here, and if you don't hang up the handset really carefully, I was told that I would disconnect a caller, and I've just done it. Been here 13 years, I think, now, and that was the first time I've done that. But there she's calling back because she's smart and she's a pro. All right. How about now? Sarah, can you There you are. So sorry about that. Oh, man. I didn't have the handset hung up all the way, and when I realized it, then I disconnected you um so welcome to women's issues women's voices here on kopn columbia 89.5 fm we are so thrilled to have you tonight um i already gave you a little introduction but we're going to get to know you real well uh over the next hour um we've got three little musical breaks planned i think it kind of breaks up the hour some songs that you chose that we can talk about when we get to them so we've got those little islands of of respite for us to take a breath and and gather our thoughts um a few times because an hour is a long time to talk (laughs) just to talk and talk and talk um but you know the main reason katie that i know your name is i vaguely remember because you weren't my rep but you served three terms in the missouri house of representatives you were there i had to look it up from i found that you were there from 98 from oh i got the wrong 88 it must have been to 94 Mm mm-hmm um, and you were representing um, House District 2, which includes Kirksville. So that kind of gave me a, you know, a region to think about. Um, and it looked like, was that one of the first things you did out of college? So I actually was working for the university uh, while I was in college. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I grew up in the greater Kansas City area, but attended school, college in Kirksville at what was then Northeast Missouri State University. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. I started school as a nursing major. Uh, My original career goal was to go into hospital administration. Hmm. And I really liked all the sciences and, you know, pathophysiology and all those types of things. So 
I thought that was a pretty good game plan. However, I was putting myself through school. I was working full time in the admissions office Mm -hmm. at the university, and I couldn't do my nursing rotations and stay in school or keep my job. So I switched into the admissions office, and so I ended up actually working in higher education when I graduated, mm-hmm. and it, you don't, you didn't see this um, in doing any research, but I actually took an unpaid leave of absence from that admissions job to work on the campaign for president of the United States for Dick Gephardt, oh, who wow. was running for president. Uh-huh. Yeah, uh-huh. so because I was on that unpaid leave of absence, I basically talked to then President Charles McLean. Uh, who I said, listen, um, there's a state representative seat open. The incumbent had decided to run for lieutenant governor. Mm -hmm. And there were four candidates in the race. At the time, there were two men and two men on the Democratic ticket and two men on the Republican ticket. Mm -hmm. And frankly, I just felt like I could do a better job than they could. (laughs) And I, I just I just. You know, I thought I I'd never been to Jefferson City. I'd never been to the state capitol. And and at that time, we actually filed in the state capitol. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. And so I uh, I made an arrangement with Dr. McLean that if I won the primary, which was in August, then he could fill my position, and mm-hmm. I wouldn't I wouldn't be coming back to university. Mm-hmm. But if I lost the primary, I wanted to be able to come back. Yeah. And he said, sure. And, and to be honest. Kind of being in that position, I think, gave me a little bit of a lift mm-hmm. to say, hey, well, you know, what have I got to lose? I'm, I'm already doing something a little bit outside of my original career trajectory. Mm-hmm. Let's see if this will happen. And I won in 1988 on November the 8th with eight votes in Adair County. Um, you won, the other by, county you won by eight votes? See, I had so I had two counties, mm-hmm. Adair County mm-hmm. and Schuyler County. Okay. And Adair County typically does vote the opposite of the party that I was running. Mm-hmm. So when you I say, won, you by can say a, Republican. We won't we won't run you out of town on a rail. <laughs> well, in, in this case, you know, you 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 do those analysis, right? Mm-hmm. And so it's like, how many votes do I have to get? Yeah. So the projection was, you're going to lose a Deer County, but you're going to win and make it up in Schuyler mm-hmm. County, and right? So average when, together that you'll come out ahead. That's what you're hoping. Exactly, yeah. exactly. So when I won by eight votes in a Deer County and it, actually 330 votes in Schuyler mm-hmm. County, then I won. Yeah. So, wow. Look at you. And then I, I went on to two more terms. I, I mm-hmm. ran in 1990, actually yep. was pleased to run unopposed, and then redistricting happened. And I ran in Adair, Putnam, and Sullivan counties and ended up winning uh, that race. Um, And and, um, the rest of the story is I actually left in the middle of my third term to accept an appointment to work at the White House. I saw that. in Health and Human Services, is that right? Yes. Health and Human Services. I noticed it. I stalked you on LinkedIn earlier. Oh, that's good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. yeah and I, you were I, there I a while. I, Seven years, I remember. I worked, I worked the entire time, you know, the mm-hmm. whole basically seven years. Um, it started in January mm-hmm. of, of the first year of President Clinton being elected. Mm-hmm. I had the chance to work the entire time with Secretary Donna Shalala, who was wow. the Secretary of Health and Human Services. Mm-hmm. And it was just the best gig ever for me. It was it was perfectly made for me because it, it was yeah. a combination of 
of policy and big P and small P politics. And mm-hmm. I, I really enjoyed that mm-hmm. job. And your background where you thought you were going to do hospital administration, well, it's healthcare related. And as you had an undergraduate degree, it looked like in business and public administration. So yeah, all that, everything you had done, it sort of lined you up for that moment. Isn't that interesting? It is interesting. And I, we, we actually just had a conversation about that last week that uh, Zora Mulligan, who is the commissioner of higher education and workforce development in the state of Missouri said she made a list of what people that work in the person administration uh, took, what what they majored in mm-hmm. in college, mm-hmm. and then did an overlay of what they're doing now. Oh. And her point was, you know, don't, don't box yourself in, obviously. Yeah. You know, it's the concept of learning is really what is going to help you well on your career path. It seems like, and we can get into the philosophy deep later, but so many women, the career path they end up in, it's not at all what they started out as. They, It's it's all kind of like, well, I met this person or this thing happened and then I never thought I would do this, but then I all of a sudden I was doing it. You know, when I, if I was you, Growing up, I grew up in Springfield, Missouri, and even if I was working at the university, I don't think I'd have known what you know health and human services and that people got appointed and that that was even a thing you could aspire to do. You know, at, when I was first out of college, so you know, how can you aspire to a position when you don't even might not even know such a thing exists? Well, and that, that is the exact same situation for me, mm-hmm. Sarah. And to be honest, mm-hmm. I, I've been doors have opened for me, and I've had to say. Um, can I get back to you? Because I didn't really know what that job entailed. Oh, Most funny. recently, yeah. I was the director of the Division of Professional Registration for the state of Missouri. I don't and know what that is. I literally had no idea when I was asked to do it. Mm-hmm. And so it's the licensing board for okay. the state. For so all the different ones, it, it, all the different licenses, all the, different the barbers yep. and the manicurists the, and the, all the things. Yep. Oh, wow. All, realtors, nurses, yeah, yeah, yeah. And architects, yeah. all of that. Wow. And so Governor Nixon asked me if I would move out of the Department of Economic Development and the State Director of Tourism job. And I, I literally said, I don't know anything about that. And the, the person that was previously in the seat was an attorney mm-hmm. and had worked with him in, in when he was attorney general. And she just had a very different approach. And you know, his answer was, I, I don't need an attorney. I need an administrator. I need a people okay. person. I need okay. somebody that can run a big office. And All right. I was like, oh. Okay. Well, that I can do. Okay. Yeah. Let me walk through that door. Yeah. So going back to when you were you were taking that hiatus and you had the position and you were you, you had your your boss saving your job at the university. It's like your job is safe until the mm-hmm. primary. Go mm-hmm. go run and then you win. What made you decide to run for office? I mean, you said you said just flippantly. You said, "Oh, I knew I could do a better job." I'm sure there was more thought that went into it than that. Um, no, what appealed I, to you I, about I, it? I, I, yeah, I was at, I was at a dinner party. Mm-hmm. And now let me back up. I I had been actively engaged in electoral politics mm-hmm. literally since I was a child. I, I was raised in the greater Kansas City area in the Northland of, of the Kansas City area, and my mother worked for Missouri Pacific, later Union Pacific Railroad, and my dad worked at Gerald Motors. So I grew up in a union, union household, household all the way. Yeah, and politics were discussed. Hmm. I mean, you know, we. We watched every state of the union address. We stayed up and watched the Republican National Convention, the Democratic National Convention. Politics was just, mm-hmm. you know, a part of our lives. Well, and, and with parents who were in unions, they probably drug you along and they probably knocked doors for candidates in their hand in hand did. with them and all sorts of things. Yeah. OK, well, that answers one of the all other questions of I had things. for you was had you volunteered in campaigns? Well, yeah, it sounded like you grew up doing it. 
as as a young child. Yeah. And, you know, all of that grassroots stuff and then also just, you know, discussions. Um, and so I, I brought that with me when I came to college. Mm-hmm. I started, I reinvigorated. It had been around for a while, but it had gone kind of dormant. The Young Democrats organization. At, and it was Truman? a big camp. Or in high Truman. school. Uh-huh. Uh, okay. Yeah. Nope. That was at Truman. At Truman. Yep. And that helped me really, frankly, to, you know, get to know some local people Mm -hmm. as well as people on campus. Mm -hmm. And I think that stimulated me into maybe being involved in in the community's politics, maybe more than I would have been had I had I not really been actively involved. Yeah. And I just, you know, I knew a lot of stuff that was going on. And um, I I really and I was a really strong supporter of the incumbent who had announced that he was running for lieutenant governor, which, by the way, another guy got into the lieutenant governor's race and the incumbent ended up getting out. The other guy's name was Mel Carnahan, um, <laughs> who ended up jumping into the uh-huh. lieutenant governor's race. And the incumbent whose seat I then followed was Harry Hill, state representative oh, Harry yeah. Hill. And Harry ended up not running for lieutenant governor at that point. But I really did give thought to it. And I was at a dinner party with people that I considered very good friends. And everyone was talking about who was running and who would, you know, make the best candidate. And I said at the dinner party, what about me? And the room kind of went silent. Um, And then all of a sudden it was, well, of course you. Hmm. No, of course. Mm -hmm. Of course you. You Mm -hmm. you should absolutely do this. And it just sort of snowballed from there. And and so your your question was what made me want to do it. Mm-hmm. I guess I always felt like um, there would be at some point that I would be in a leadership role to kind of combine my interest in policy and politics. Mm-hmm. And frankly, you know, things were going on in the world. I mean, yeah. crazy stuff was happening. This, this was 30 years ago, mm-hmm. um, more than 30 years ago now. Just crazy things were happening, and I felt like we needed to have more women at the table. And frankly, I wanted to be at the table. And there probably weren't many. So, I'm guessing, I don't know what the makeup was then, but I'm guessing it was worse than it is now. You know, to be honest, I think there are fewer women in the Missouri yeah. House of Representatives now than there <sighs> were then. That breaks my heart a yeah, little. Yeah, and it it does, you know, and I, I should know those statistics That's because, okay. you know, I'm, I'm kind of teaching that a little bit through our leadership program. But the point is we have not moved the needle mm-hmm. in Missouri to have women at the table. And um, that's, you know, frankly, one of the reasons I've been so actively engaged with the Greater Missouri Organization, because we we promote and lift up and, and encourage women to be at the table. Yeah. Not just elective politics. Yeah. All women. Yeah. You know, at, at all tables. Yeah. So if, if the answer to this is not really, we can just go on to the next one. But I'm wondering, when you were, you were not only a woman, you were a young woman. And I've seen pictures. You were cute. So you were a, mm-hmm. a lovely young woman. Here you are running for the house. Do you feel like that actually was maybe a little bit of a burden or an extra added an extra challenge to people taking you seriously or in any other ways as you were running for that office as a as a young lady? I think it came with burdens and it came with opportunity. Okay, to tell, be me, honest. tell me about that. No, I think some of the burden really was you know being taken seriously mm-hmm. and. Um, I remember getting my headshot taken and, you know, my, my focus group of, you know, friends, okay, which one of these photos is your favorite? And mm-hmm. they would choose and then, okay, what's your second favorite and what's your third favorite? And of course the one I used was everybody's fourth favorite, right? Mm-hmm. So um, 
don't hate me. Just, you know, I'm a serious person. Take me seriously. And I had to kind of bring that to bear, I think, in my role as a state representative. Now, I told you I was a state employee working for the university. Mm -hmm. So I really did have to give up my job. I mean, I couldn't go back to work at Truman because in Missouri, you can't get two state paychecks. Right. So I I didn't I took that job seriously. I took it as a full time job and I, you know, worked hard. I served on lots of interim committees. I assisted not only my caucus, but I actually formed the, the women's mm. caucus. Mm-hmm. It, it, the women legislators in Missouri, there there had not been a women's caucus wow. until I started that and um, really advocated um, not only for my district. And we were really pushing hard at that time to get some highway improvements. Mm-hmm. Um, highway 63 was, you know, a long-range plan was not to do anything, to, mm. to four-lane it. And we just had to keep pushing it. Mm-hmm. And, you know, education was obviously pretty important to the district, but also agriculture and um, access to, you know, services. I mean, it's still a broadband issue, for instance. Um, As someone who lives in Columbia and all the rest of the Columbians who often have to get on 63 and travel back and forth to Kansas City and St. Louis, (laughs) different places, we thank you for the four lanes. (laughs) Yeah, they're definitely, obviously necessary. Yeah, maybe even more than that. Yeah, Yeah. we had to really fight for that. But yeah, I feel like, you know, there were times when, I mean, the, the comments and, you know, it's no secret that there have been some, some major issues in Jefferson City most recently. Those all of that all of that environment existed. You know, um, I was 28 years old. Mm-hmm. Um, and yet I just took myself seriously and uh, ensured that others took me seriously. But frankly, I've always had a pretty good sense of humor, too. Yeah. So, I, I, I sort of feel a little bit like um, Ann Richards, Governor Richards, in that regard. You can sometimes win a lot of enemy, uh, win a lot of friends with humor. Yeah, or you and, know, or or, so defle- or deflect an uncomfortable situation that you shouldn't least, have been yeah. in at all uh, to laugh it off. Sure, yeah, sure. yeah, which sure. you but should again, never you know, be in that position. A- but there you are, and so sometimes it's easier to just kind of yeah, play it for humor. Yeah. yeah. But I think also, you know, there were some advantages because mm-hmm. I was the first woman to be elected from that district. Um, I, I was able to, as I said, join the forces with other women. It was a time when we were not as partisan bickering in the Missouri General Assembly that exists mm-hmm. today. And so like-minded women could get together and pursue really important issues. Yeah. Uh, one one of the issues that that we came together on the reason that we formed the caucus was um, it it was legal in Missouri to rape your spouse. Yeah, I remember that. Hmm. And we thought it should be illegal. Yeah. And um, we had to join with some male allies, uh, frankly, to get that passed. To get the but that that was a real priority for the women legislators. The other thing, though, was we didn't have very many women that had been appointed to boards or commissions in Missouri. Hmm. And we we sort of thought, what is it that we need to be doing? Let's check our Rolodexes. Who helped us get to where we are? And maybe can we find some of those women to serve on, you know, board of curators, uh, serve in, in various economic development boards? I mean, there are just so many opportunities for women to be at the table, and Missouri was ranked pretty dismally during that time. So, again, we were able to kind of join forces in a bipartisan way as a women's caucus um, 
to be able to promote those activities. Who, who were some of the, do you remember, I'm sure you do, who were some of the women in your cohort that you were working with in that caucus? In that caucus, um, Susie Shear was mm-hmm. still living and, yeah. and obviously went on uh, the Sue Shear Institute yeah. in St. Louis, was named after her. Sheila Lumpy was still uh, very uh, much involved uh, and active from the St. Louis area. Um, I I served with Mary Caston, who is not an Irene Trepler, was a state senator. Uh, I mean, there were just really sharp, smart women. Harriet Woods had been lieutenant governor. Um, she was not lieutenant governor while I was serving. Um, and Claire McCaskill had been in the House, but she was not in the House any longer moment. when I was mm-hmm. serving. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah. Karen McCarthy was. Uh, she wanted to be a member of Congress. And and actually, my mother-in-law, Pat Danner, uh, was oh, serving uh-huh. in the Missouri yeah, Senate at oh, the time. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Of course. Yeah. 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 Okay, now I'm putting two and two together. Well, yeah. so, I mean, I, that it feels like that was a really long time ago. As you said, things have gotten so, so partisan. What are some of the change? I mean, we could go on all night about just this, and we have a lot we want to talk talk about, but we do have a whole hour. So what are some of the, the ways that you've seen politics change since you were left actively being in office and have moved on to some of these other roles? Well, I think it's changed fundamentally in three different ways. One is financing. Yes. When I when I ran for office and again the only pushback I had from from friends was how how are you going to afford this? Mm-hmm. And I said I I'm not I don't have right. deep pockets. I'm right. going to have to raise everything that I spend and Sarah I raised $28,000. And it probably that. felt ridiculous, right? It was seemed like so much money yeah. at the time. Yeah. I mean and now I think I think candidates are raising and spending over a hundred thousand for state rep races. Oh, more Missouri. than that. More than that. Yeah. Well, I mean, you know, just I mean, I helped, it, you I can't even in, do it with less in, than a hundred thousand. Yeah. Here in Columbia, we had a school board. I had helped with the school board race last cycle, and my candidate raised what you raised for a house for an unpaid volunteer school board position. That's what she raised. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's gotten out so, of hand. Yeah. Yeah. It is so out of hand. Um, I, you know, the other thing that happened, and I, I was actively campaigning against it, term limits. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I said at the time, it's yeah. a terrible idea. Yep. It's going to put the power in to the pockets of people that you, you will have not have any election authority over. Yep. Don't do it. And here we um, are. A, and here we are, right? Mm-hmm. So I think term limits has really changed and it goes kind of hand in glove with fundraising, right? Because yeah. you have to raise so much money, you have to kind of be beholden to anybody that's going to write you a check with a comma in it. Yeah. And sometimes even two checks with commas, right? Mm-hmm. And, and so, I mean, two commas. Uh, right, right. So, you know, th- those things, they really do. I think they're an unfortunate situation in Missouri. But, but then finally, it's you know, everybody has an opinion, and now everybody gets to share their opinion through social media. I mean, I, I, I talked about problems with broadband. Well, we didn't have problems with broadband when I was in the Missouri House because we didn't, didn't have, have internet. Yeah, you had called we, on the phone. We or, really didn't. Yeah. I mean, it, it, computers kind of came around when I left the House and went to work for the federal government. That was the first time I had a, you know, a 
really actively engaged um, internet access. Mm-hmm. And so just think how things have changed. Oh, and yeah. now, you know, people can send you a direct message on any number of application platforms mm-hmm. and communicate with you where, you know, we used to hear from constituents through in-person visits, telephone calls, and faxes. And, and faxes, or maybe a letter. Like when they'd have to write a letter oh, oh, and put a stamp on we it. We would get letters. Yeah, yeah we postcards. Would, of course, get letters. Yeah. 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 I yep. mean, there yep. was nothing that immediate. Not that two in the morning, and I want to. I have something I want to say, and <laughs> they're able to just click and do it. Yeah. And, and vice versa. You mm-hmm. know, people are using the platform to share their opinion, and, yeah. and unfortunately, they're editing it in some ways to to share an incorrect opinion, but. Yeah. But I think, you know, those three things, financing and term limits and and the ability to and technology. Yeah. Yeah. Communication. Yeah, that's really interesting. Yeah. I don't know what I thought you were going to say, but maybe maybe the, the campaign finance, but the other two, huh, that's really interesting. Hmm. Interesting answers. I like that. Well, we've reached yeah. our first musical break. I'm going to give you a little. Uh-huh. I'm going to give you a little rest. I just ran you through your paces, um, and then when we come back, we're going to talk about after you left the house, what came next. Um, but I ask you to bring three songs with you, and uh, these are in no particular order. There maybe was a better order I could have done these in, but the first one I've got queued up is "Fantasy" by Earth, Wind, and Fire. Uh, is there anything you want to say to set this up? Yeah, play it loud. Uh, and, and and I may I, I may be doing a little dance to it. All right, here we go. I'm gonna play the whole thing so you can get a drink or whatever you need to do. Oh my gosh, I'm loving that you're playing the whole thing. You bet. And we're back. That was quite a track. I'm not familiar. I know Earth, Wind, and Fire, but I'm not familiar with that song. That was great. That's a pick me up song. Yeah, boy. it is. I, 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 lo- I, I love those funky blues and souls. Yeah, and is that what is that why you picked it? Anything more significant about it than just the sound of it is one you really love? You know, honestly, it's always hard for me to answer the question of what is your favorite. Mm -hmm. And so I'm like, well, I like all kinds of things, but that is a go-to song for me. Kind of a, you know, what what, if I'm going to give a presentation, I need to pump myself up. It does it. That's great. That's a good one. So if you're just tuning yeah. in, you're listening to Women's Issues, Women's Voices, and I've got Katie Steele Danner on the phone, and we are doing a deep dive this hour talking to her. Um, we just finished a conversation, or, or just finishing up a conversation about her terms serving um, in the House District 2 of the Missouri House of Representatives back when she was a young thing. And uh, now we're going to talk about what, you're, what you did next. So um, you do your three terms, and then we already said um, you left. Um, early on your third term, and I, I went to work in the Office of Intergovernmental Affairs mm-hmm. for the U.S. Department of Health and Human Services. Okay. I worked in the regional office, mm-hmm. representing Missouri, Iowa, Nebraska, and Kansas. Mm-hmm. But then I was picked up to to be the Intergovernmental Affairs Director out in D.C. and um, we worked on some pretty important things. Uh, I think the biggest success that is still active today is the state child's health insurance program mm. where we were able to, to get health insurance for uh, America's children. Mm-hmm. Uh, and, you know, there are lots of other exciting things that happened during those seven years uh, working with the federal government. I was in the Rose Garden when oh. President Clinton signed the balanced budget. Um, it, you know, pretty exciting mm-hmm. uh, things that happened then. And uh, after uh that election after the supreme court 
uh, made the decision that Al Gore did not win the election. Mm-hmm. We decided, my husband and I um, decided that we were going to move to be closer to where his children were being raised. And we moved to Branson, Missouri. Okay. I'm from Springfield, so that's just my, was my backyard. Mm-hmm. Yeah, right mm-hmm. there. Yep. Um, I spent a lot of time in Springfield. Mm-hmm. And uh, I started a, a consulting company, Athena Consulting. Athena is the goddess mm-hmm. of battle. I saw that. Okay. And I, I saw that on your LinkedIn. Yeah. I'm like, what a great title. <laughs> Isn't it great? I love it. Yeah. yeah. Actually, in Colombia, I think there's an annual Athena Award mm-hmm. that is given. And somebody asked me if I took if my name from the Athena Award. No, I said, I, I yep. think my business came before the Athena mm-hmm. Award. But mm-hmm. anyway, I, I appreciate um, the branding there. And yes. I, I just started, I, I had been doing some fundraising politically. I've been doing a lot of not-for-profit work over the years. Mm-hmm. I served on a couple of boards. Uh, I was on a couple of bank boards, a, a, a mm-hmm. trust board. and Anyway, I just saw that there were lots of organizations that needed some assistance, some organizational leadership, um, but, but also just some public relations work. And so I started Athena Consulting and picked up a number of clients. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I was actually hired, though, to be the vice president for Swope Community Enterprises, which was based in Kansas City. So I traveled from Branson, Missouri, every Monday morning up to Kansas City, stayed in my mom's basement, and worked for Swope Community Enterprises. I did that for about two and a half years. Mm -hmm. I went home every Thursday, and each of the kids have always been very active in sports. So they would play in Springfield. I'd stop at the basketball game in Springfield, Mm -hmm. or they'd have a... um, uh, uh, one of the guys would have a, a football game in uh, Rogersville mm-hmm. or, you know, I mean, anyway. So yeah. Thursday nights, I'd drive back to Branson. Mm-hmm. And um, that got pretty old, frankly, because, yeah. you know, that was just a lot of wear and tear on me. Did you that for and how long? I, two years? I did it for about two and a half years. Yeah. 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 And uh, it, it was hard. It was fulfilling, but I was missing things on both ends. Yeah. Right. And Right. Um, my husband actually was uh, active in the Missouri National Guard, but because the world was changing, his active, I mean, he was doing, you know, one weekend a month and two weeks a year. And then all of a sudden he was doing about 20 days a month because mm-hmm. he, he's a lawyer. He was doing a lot of legal work, but then he became the commander of the Regional Training Institute over at Fort Lairwood. Mm-hmm. And then he got deployed to Iraq for a year and a half. And I, um, I ended up just kind of sticking around in Branson, helping the kids as they finished right. their school Somebody's and, and went on there. to college. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, you know, they had uh, uh, their biological mom was there and very supportive of them. Mm-hmm. But I felt like I needed to kind of be their yeah. conduit yeah. and connection to their dad. So I picked up some clients down there. Um, I I started uh, working with about fourteen different clients, including um, I was the executive director of the League of Branson Theater Owners and oh. Show Producers. That would have been fascinating. I can only that imagine was so fascinating. the personalities I about it. Oh, have you oh seen David Wilson's documentary? He and I think AJ Schnack made a documentary. And I'll think of the title in a minute, but it's Girl, Dr. It's, we always lie to strangers. There you go. I was, I oh, was there you know. for almost you know. all of the filming. Because we're going to talk my, about that. Some of my best friends. Well, some of my best friends are the Lennons. And, okay. Yes. Uh, that's that's when I first met David and AJ. Okay. Actually. That's so funny. Well, well that's going to come up again. When they were this, filming. Yeah. Because I'm guessing that that is how 
those relationships that she made there, you shortly after that, you became the head of the Missouri State Tourism Department, right? You were the director? Yeah. And is that That's kind exactly of how that it. happened? That Because Branson is kind of the tourist mecca. So once you have all those connections and they know you and trust you, it seems like a natural next move. So I think, it, again, it was one of those things where I, a door opened and I walked through it. Right? Yeah. I also yeah. had, as one of my clients, the Branson Airport. So I, mm-hmm. I did their one-year-out fundraising event and mm-hmm. kind of publicity thing. And then my last gig in Branson was I helped to open Branson Airport. That was my wow. that was a assignment that I had. Mm-hmm. And Governor Nixon had already appointed my husband. I told you he was a part-timer mm-hmm. in the National Guard. Mm-hmm. Well, he jumped in feet first, and he became the commander. Um, the adjutant general is the title mm-hmm. of the Missouri Air and Army National Guard. So he moved from Branson to Jefferson City, and mm-hmm. I never intended to follow him. I, I was going to stay there. I mm-hmm. left my life there. I had mm-hmm. great friends. The, you know, Table Rock Lake is yeah, Katie's it's a Lake, area. and mm-hmm. yeah, it's just fabulous. And you know, I just I had lots of great friends. But Governor Nixon was pretty persistent. He was like, "I need you to come and help me in the administration too. I've got about five different ideas, you know, of where I think you might be able to help me." And I did four of the five roles. <laughs> <laughs> you tried them all. Tried almost all of them. I did. Yeah. Yeah. yeah so yeah, the, and the commission actually the tourism commission. Mm-hmm hires the executive okay. in that role. And okay. so I, I went to work for the Department of Economic Development first, and then uh, the commission hired me. And I was in that role for about five years, and I loved it. Yeah. Loved it. It just seems like a natural bridge from what you were doing before. So here here are my here are my sneaky side questions, and you saw these in advance. Are, are there any hidden gems around mid-Missouri that our listeners might not know about? Well, around Mid Missouri, yeah, I mean, there I, are. broadly, like, I mean, like, what are some of your, what are your insider tips and tricks? You know, it's so funny. People used to always ask me, "What's my favorite mm-hmm. place to visit in Missouri?" And my answer would always be the next place, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's a great there answer. Are, there, yeah, there are some like unknown things, like, like Bonterre Mine. Have you ever been there? Mm-mm. It's in Bonterre, Missouri. And it's the world's largest subterranean lake. Oh. And it's just amazing. That sounds like and it could be really there, pretty. It is really amazing. Mm-hmm. I mean, absolutely amazing. I, I, I mentioned before, um, my husband was at Fort Leonard Wood. There, mm-hmm. There's a wonderful military museum there. Mm-hmm. There's actually a fabulous military muse- museum of Missouri military history in Jefferson City, at the Ike Skelton training site that my husband actually hmm. uh, developed. Interesting. Um, yeah, yeah. I mean, there there are so many fun things to do. I mean, everybody immediately goes to the arch and, of course, the music scene down in Branson. But mm-hmm. we've got some great cultural sites yeah. um, all across the state. Lots of art, just lots of history. The, the Missouri State Parks and historic sites are underappreciated sometimes. Yeah. And then, you know, we've got this pretty fun thing that runs through the state called Route 66, mm-hmm. and that's a bucket item list for folks. Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. I worked at a yeah. Best Western at the front desk. That was my job in high school and college. And it was right there at exit 80A off of I-44 mm-hmm. on the Route 66. And I can't tell you, we had German cyclists and all sorts okay. of people come through and stay there. That were, yep. That's what they were doing. Yep. They were there to see Route 66. It came from all over the world. I was just, yeah. All over the world. And then, you know, mm-hmm. everybody knows about Mark. 
Twain and, mm-hmm. and Samuel Clemens in his boyhood and, home. And I, I'm currently chairing the uh, Clay County Bicentennial Commission. Oh, yeah. So I would be remiss if I didn't talk about the Jesse James Museum in okay. Clay County. And people can come and help us to celebrate 200 years and, and go to the uh, James Farm and Homestead and experience that. Oh, that sounds fun. That's a great piece of Missouri history, too. Sure. So, so while you were at the, I just know as just as a side note, I know that you were instrumental in kind of saving the um, the film commission by moving mm-hmm. it under tourism. You wanted, we just finished the True False Film Fest. It closed yesterday, so films are on people's minds. And we just talked about David Wilson and um, what is it? You always lie to strangers. We always we lie always to lie to strangers. strangers. You think name, I can that remember? Was the name of their movie. Yeah. Yep. So we just yep. talked about that. Talk to me just quickly about how you know what happened with. Um, films and filming in Missouri while you were there at the at the tourism department? So it became a little bit of a political wedge. It was like somebody coined, you can't give tax incentives for millionaires, mm-hmm. which is how those that didn't like film incentives being given out kind of packaged their uh, opposition. Mm-hmm. And yet, yeah, the film incentive is really, really, really important, and um, we're we're missing out on some of those opportunities, and we and we're losing mm-hmm. some really creative people in this yep. space because they cannot live here and and enjoy a wage, you right. know, because they just don't have enough projects to keep themselves gainfully employed, so they have to take projects in other states. Yeah. So, but in the meantime, you know, the tax incentive is one item, but the other was there was just not support. I mean, they they line item vetoed, you know, the hundred thousand dollars. Yeah, yeah, and I was like, you know, that's just silly. We we've got lots of synergy going. I mean, frankly, um, we always lie to strangers was one of them. I mean, it was yeah. going around to all these music or these film festivals, festivals and mm-hmm. being shown, and mm-hmm. um, we we were just having some pretty good success. But we weren't able to, you know, get those tax incentives. So I just said, I'm not going to let this industry die. Let's just let's bring it into my budget. And I, I got the support of the legislature, um, and it's still there today. And I know Andrea is, is a staff of one mm-hmm. that is running the Missouri Film Commission. Mm-hmm. Um, but you know, activities like True False, um, they they took off. I mean, that that really mm-hmm. is a community celebration. Oh for my Columbia goodness! Yes, and, mm-hmm. and, and the vision. But, you know, that is a very important economic driver for that community. Oh, yeah. And it, it's just underappreciated. There are other film events that take place across the state of Missouri as well, and I hope that they can ramp up like True False did mm-hmm. and get back to normal operations post-COVID. Yeah. Yep. Um, because, you know, those those film festivals are pretty important. Now, I will say there, there have been some pretty good um, economic development actions that have happened. Um, there are some um, industries that are popping up over in St. Louis. Actually, I think it's in St. Louis County. They've announced a, um, a a new business that is coming in that's going to be sort of in the digital film space. But I think they're going to have a sound stage and a, wow. a film stage as well. And then I think there's some more activity down in your old neck of the woods, down in, Spring- in Ozark, mm-hmm. uh, Springfield, Battlefield area. Hmm. There's activity and of course close enough to Branson yeah to, and Arkansas to be able to all kinds of beautiful places yeah. to film and shoot that are yeah mm-hmm. absolutely yeah yep. we, have, we have everything in Missouri we have every season we have everything that you you know architecture nature yeah. you know smart people lots of diversity mm-hmm. 
We just don't have, uh, I used to say this, uh, we, we don't have shark attacks. No. We've got water, but we don't yeah. have any shark attacks. Yeah, don't you tell Silver Dollar City. There's a, whole, there's a whole social media thing. Have you seen it for Silver Dollar City where they talk about sharks on the park? That's pretty funny. No. Oh, you'll have to check that out. It's really clever. Okay, it's really clever marketing. Oh, well. So if you're just tuning in, you're listening to Women's Issues, Women's Voices. We're talking to Katie Steele Danner. And what I want to make sure we get to is talking about what you're doing now, uh, which is leading right. the Greater Missouri Leadership Foundation. So let's talk about um, the foundation and what that does. So the foundation is actually the the oldest, and we kind of coin it as the premier leadership program for women mm-hmm. in the state of Missouri. Mm-hmm. Um, each year, we select a group of up to 40 women who uh, travel across the state in four three-day leadership cohorts. Okay. And we learn about different issues throughout the state. Hmm. And it's basically designed for women on the rise. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, it's it's for, not for people that are just getting into the, the working world, but sort of mid-career that would like to be more in a C-suite opportunity. Hmm. And it's a learning and a networking experience um, that has just a, a fabulous group of alumni that help to support it and support me. Um, and it, it's just a great opportunity to promote women in leadership. And it's been around for a while. Did you say how long? We are in. We are actually 34 years old. This year is our 33rd class. Okay. And Sarah, I was in the third class yeah. way back when I was when I was a state representative. Wow. And I I was in the class then, and I've stayed involved with Greater Missouri since then, serving as a regional coordinator, mm-hmm. serving on the board. I was mm-hmm. board president for a while, and then um, when I was living and working in Jefferson City, the first cohort, the first session is always in Columbia and Jefferson City, mm-hmm. and I welcomed the class each year over oh. the 11 years that I worked in the administration. So mm-hmm. I've really gotten to know the last 11 graduating classes, um, just having been a participant, and then have had my own classes the last three years. Yeah. Oh, that's so lovely that you, it kind of came full circle, that you stayed involved, but it, you went from being the participant to sort of the host, and now you're running the show. That's it. Yeah. So how how are those 40 women chosen? Are they nominated by someone or? They are nominated. They can either be self-nominated. So like anyone listening mm-hmm. to this program, okay. like, hmm, I want to know a little bit more about that. They can just go to our website, greatermo.org, mm-hmm. and they can self-nominate themselves. Okay. Or we, we usually have alumni that have gone through the program okay. that will say, this is an experience I want to share with you. Okay. Or... We'll have some of our sponsors that will take a look and say, hey, I've got this emerging woman. Mm-hmm. She needs to gain this leadership experience, and she's going to be somebody that we're going to promote um, on her leadership journey. Huh. So, um, uh, yeah, so we if people are nominated. We we, um, we try to get some support letters because, frankly, we've got a waiting list. Yeah. And we want to make sure that those that we accept will successfully be in the program and be actively engaged and commit to the 12 days right. of, of the four sessions. Mm-hmm. And so we, we usually, you know, find that out by seeing who has nominated them or sent in a support letter. Mm-hmm. And then the board of directors actually makes the selection okay, um, cool. of, of who the women are. Yeah, mm-hmm. They look through the, the applicants. That's neat. And we try to make sure that it's a diverse group. I would say, I would guess you try to make regionally diverse, economically diverse, yeah, racially diverse. Yeah, that would make sense. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. All the things. Well, that just sounds really wonderful. And so where are you in the cycle right now? 
you just just began with a new cohort and they just had their first visit you're saying is that right we did just and and that was why i wasn't at true false this year because i was in columbia and jefferson city true false started on thursday and that was the final day of our session so our first session was last tuesday wednesday thursday Mm -hmm. and each session has a specific agenda that we attempt to expose the cohort to so the first session is kind of governmental political process and education specific mm-hmm. our second session uh, we rotate between springfield and kansas city but it focuses on urban issues we talk about diversity and race relations the uh, impact on urban renewal and economic development yeah and then session three has ended up being up in north missouri the last few years we, we go to about four different counties uh having our home base in Kirksville, and we talk about rural development, rural Missouri, the role of rural towns and agriculture, and then resource management um, up there. You know, we talk a lot about wind energy, for instance, and mm-hmm. the things that have been changing. Yeah. And then our final session, we graduate from St. Louis, and we talk about where is the state of Missouri um, and Missouri's scientific and research contributions, and where do we fit on a global business scale? Huh. That sounds really fascinating. And it, then I, it helps us to have this focus, too, because yeah. somebody will be like, oh, you know, we want to um, let's go back and explore, you know, this item. Well, that's something that we could do, um, but that's not a part of the session agenda. Let's keep it focused on yeah. this agenda. Yeah. yeah. Right? And then just having that cohort and having met women from all over the state who are, you know, kind of up and comers like yourself. seems like that would be just a really great experience. It is. It is. So rewarding. And again, it's helped me personally. It's helped me professionally. Mm -hmm. But it really feeds my soul because it's an honor for me to be around these smart, bright, enthusiastic women. And um, we need to continue to lift each other up. And um, this is an active way to do that. That's awesome. Uh, for women who are listening who maybe don't have those, aren't going to apply to the cohort um, or don't can't get away from work for those four-day things, um, do you have any general advice that they could take away from our conversation? Maybe like some typical challenges that you see women facing at work or common mistakes that you think uh, women are more prone to making than, than their male cohort? You know, unfortunately, we do see kind of a common theme. Mm-hmm. And we... One of the most confounding problem I see facing women, mm-hmm. it, sometimes it's not that doors aren't open, but sometimes women just aren't wa- walking through them. Mm-hmm. So if it's the boardroom, um, you know, public office, personal relationships, it, nobody is keeping women from parity in some cases except mm-hmm. themselves. Mm-hmm. Now, having said that, we tend to be self-selective. If an opportunity comes up and there are 10 things that are being looked for, women will look at that checklist and say, well, I've got six of those 10 things. Mm-hmm. I don't have those four of those. Mm-hmm. You know, I just don't have those. I'm not going to apply for that position. Whereas a man. Where a man, mm-hmm. you know. They'll they say, I know two of those things. <laughs> That's exactly right. And I'll figure right? the other eight out before they catch on. <laughs> I read the same article. I think I've read the same research. I've even talked about it on the show, just in passing to different guests. Makes me so angry, but it's so true. Like just having hired people, having hired women, and having hired men, having sat there in the interview and heard the things they promised and the things they said they knew how to do, and then 
having then managed them later and seeing what they actually didn't know how to do. And it's so true. It explained true. a lot. And, you know, explained imbalances, a lot. imbalances are really costly to society. Mm-hmm. Um, I mean, it shows lower productivity, yeah. um, foregone economic growth. I mean, mm-hmm. when we rob women of economic empowerment and leadership opportunities, we're robbing society. Yeah. And of their potential. You know, we need, yeah, we sure are. Yeah. We sure are. So don't blunt, don't blunt your ambition, ladies. Yeah, go for it. Um, we've got about eight more minutes. I think we've got plenty to talk about. I'm trying to pick and choose from my last few questions here. Um, when you talk about leadership, um, what do, what do you think about? What do you? How do you define that? Just more generally, when you're def- when you're thinking of leadership, or what does that concept mean to you? You know, I, it's really kind of simple for me. Uh, I think leadership is creating the lives that we want. Hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, we want to be leaders in our work. Uh, we want to be partners in our homes. And we want to be champions of other women. Mm-hmm. And, and I think those are three ways of actively showing leadership. Yeah. So keeping that in mind and the fact that it's Women's History Month, we can end on a, here's an upbeat thing we can end on instead of that women aren't opening the door, aren't going through the doors they should be. Women, go through those doors. Um, Let's talk about some of the women um, in your life who've had a direct impact on you or maybe people you haven't met but you just admire. Um, Let's talk about some of those women who have influenced you in your path this far. Well, Sarah, I, I there are so many. Again, I figured sort of like what, you're going to you have know, to pick and choose. What's your favorite? <laughs> right. I, 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 I've got to say, I mean, Olena Zelenska, the first lady of Ukraine, is yeah. just sharing a fabulous platform right now and showing what a partner she is, what uh, she's role modeling to her children, she's role modeling to her her citizenry. And I've not met her um Honestly, I knew a little bit about her just because I was pretty interested in this young, interesting family um, in, in this country. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know her at all, but I think she's pretty indefatigable amazing. and, and mm-hmm. uh, doing some amazing work right now. My early, early—I told you at the beginning of the conversation that we, you know, we grew up watching the Republican and, right. Na- and Democratic national mm-hmm. conventions. I was spellbound as a child when I saw Barbara Jordan speak to the Democratic National Convention. And I said, I want to grow up to be her. She was so empowering to me. Mm -hmm. I just, I I was just taken with her words, the forcefulness with which she used it. Uh, And I uh, luckily had the the good opportunity to, to get a chance to meet her on a couple of occasions. Wow. Governor Ann Richards is another, you know, again, mm-hmm. you know, a, a good speaker that used her platform. Uh, I've had a, a couple of really good opportunities to get to know her. But I had some pretty good professors up at Truman State. And there's a woman that you you may have crossed paths with Dr. Candy Young, who was I, I actually did not have her in any class. She wasn't a, a professor for me. Mm-hmm. She was a mentor to me. Um, and she um, actually has straddled two communities, living and working in Columbia, but also living and working up in Kirksville. And mm-hmm. uh, she was just very inspirational to me. And then I did get the good chance to work with Harriet Woods oh, um, yeah. and to work with Hillary. Um, and, you know, it, it all starts with my mom, who was a single woman raising four kids, and my mother-in-law, who at a pretty important time in her life was a single woman raising four kids. 
And they they sort of, you know, created uh, and defined me and showed me that women can be in pretty strong leadership roles in all kinds of different venues. That's amazing. Um, yeah, some really strong women. I mean, how fortunate that you've had those role models and had those, those childhood experiences that uh, you were able to build and build and build. And uh, here we are. Yeah. And, yeah. you know, I got to work with some fabulous people. The, the Working with the Gephardt campaign introduced me to a whole new world. But then working with the Clinton administration really did open up my world. And, uh, you know, I literally have friends across the world. Uh, and many, yeah. many, many of those are women leaders that are still out there, you know, pushing the envelope and taking the lead. And I appreciate that. Yeah. If you're just tuning in, uh, Kevin's in the house. He's getting ready and choosing some music for Jazz Both Blues Equal Soul. I'm sure he's got a great set uh, coming up, so you don't want to miss that. Um, but we've been talking here at Women's Issues Women's Voices with Katie Steele Danner of the Greater Missouri Leadership Foundation. Again, they're on the web at greatermo.org. Um, if you're wishing you'd caught the whole conversation, you know this is going to be up on the archive here in about 10 or 15 minutes. Uh, it'll auto-load up to the kopn.org website. Um, and the talk shows are archived uh, forever. So you can listen to that later. Um, they're on the Women's Issues, Women's Voices page at kopn.org. So uh, we've only f- have time for the one more song. We're not going to get to, you had Don McLean, American Pie. We're not going to get to it. It's eight some minutes long. I thought, well, gee, if we, run out of things, if we run out of things to talk about, that'll certainly fill the time. We're not going to do that one. Because <laughs> you also picked another one that I was completely unfamiliar with. Barbara Cook singing Everybody Says Don't. And I had to look it up. It's from a musical, a Stephen Sondheim musical from 1964 called Anyone Can Whistle. Anything else you wanted to say to set this one up? So I was at this performance in February of 2001 at Carnegie Hall. Okay. And she is just a fabulous performer. I love live performances. And this is my I'm Getting Sleepy While I'm Driving song. I, I have it always ready to hit play okay. and you'll know why when you hear it okay. uh, and Stephen Sondheim I had the opportunity to uh, meet him in St. Louis <sighs> when he was honored by SLU wow. and it's a Stephen Sondheim song and so yep. combining Barbara Cook and Stephen Sondheim I hope everybody okay. enjoys it All right. and also listen to listen to the words okay we can't thank you enough for spending an hour talking to us here on Women's Issues Women's Voices it's been so great um, chatting with you and getting to know you and hearing more about the Greater Missouri Leadership Foundation Thank you, Sarah. It's really been fun. Great. All right. Thanks for calling.